Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. This is the place to learn how to get through your worst rock bottom and start to embrace adversity. I'm your host, Petra Belzebor. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but my biggest learning is from my own rock bottom. My story includes being raised in a cult, dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and alcoholism. But along the way, I've learned to turn my entire life around to one of success, joy, and fulfillment. So in this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life who've done the same. I'll be teasing out the skills and tools necessary, as well as using my own experience to teach you how to turn your adversity into your biggest advantage. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm so excited today to introduce Daniel Holly. Welcome. Oh, oh. Hello, everyone. Hey, so a little bit about Daniel, and he'll fill in the blanks where, where if I let him down. But I know that his journey started, you know, in hospitality, and he's done up to like thirty thousand hours since then of YouTubing, presenting, um, and on internet, TV, all sorts of things. And what I love about his vibe is that he's all about p- drawing out the personality from people and the coaching that he does to help people be amazing speakers and be out front and show their true selves. Was that fair? What else would you say about what you're passionate about? No, no, that's about? you nail on the head. The Now, this is an interesting thing, and I will, because when I gave you the bio, right, this is an element that sounds like it's cheating, but it's a huge aspect of what I'm doing at the moment. Now, the 30,000 hours, right, and uh, you'll go to my website, you see 30,000 hours, hundreds of thousands of audience members, etc., etc., etc. Now, I actually include the hospitality work as part of that i love that because there's there's this rule right um in in public speaking where they say you know you've got to change the way people feel the way the way you make people feel and what i realized was in hospitality when you've got a waiter who's got to read out the specials who's got to list off the favorites you know when you ask them what should i eat today what should you recommend da, 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 da. everything that you do and say in that moment has an impact on the person you're speaking to. It's public speaking. Now, because I wasn't in the public speaking environment, of course, I wasn't being told, you know, hey, welcome to the restaurant. Raise your hand if you've ever been hungry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was basically having to just deliver. But it's people and it's transferable skills. Exactly, man, exactly. That's it. It's just connecting with people, being yourself and enjoying yourself because that also emanates onto others as well. So I, I wanted to make that clear. I didn't want everyone to think like, oh, so, you know, I left restaurants and I did 30,000 hours of public speaking. No, that's part of it. That's as much part of it. But it's just saying that our whole story matters. Everything Absolutely. right before that perfect job with the perfect title, um, it yeah. all has an impact. Mm-hmm. Love that. Oh, sorry. By the way, I've got, I've got um, I don't know if I could say a liter or half a liter of tea. That you're slurping today? That I'm slurping, yeah. So if you Would hear you me like... That? You know, just humming through it because I'm sipping my tea. That's fair. Don't burn yourself. Just so I Yeah. So, t- so tell <laughs> us about your business now. What are you truly passionate about? So it is exactly that. I will start by saying that I have always believed that everyone has this fire in them. For some of them, it's gone out. For some of them, it's like a, a gentle ember. But for some people... There's a fire that burns inside of them. And certainly when I look at speakers, there will be because they got their ass off their chair and they stood in front of a group of people to deliver some information. Right. 
So that tells me that there's something in them that's allowed, that wants them to, to put something out there. And I am adamant that we are now, or we've actually, wait, maybe we've done it for, we're already in the phase, but we haven't accepted it yet. But it's now the time where we stop following routine, where we stop following guidelines, where we stop following the rules of how you present yourself in the world and just fucking be yourself to the most powerful degree, right? I was actually at a seminar this morning. I had to leave early to be here. Thank you. I and appreciate that. I, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I was like, <laughs> like it's a big I favor. Feel like, I have to leave early. <laughs> but, um, but no, it felt great because obviously I left the settlement. People are like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm just interviewing a podcast. Forget about it. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and this guy, uh, Rob Peckering, superb uh, business coach, I watched, watched him do his thing this morning. And you knew who he was and how he behaved just from looking at him on stage. You were not getting any fat added in to what he was doing and who he was. So you understood Rob as Rob while you watched him talk, which built that connection between, well, for me, myself and him, you know, you built that understanding of his ethos, his, his attitude, the way he goes about things, his personality, his character. And you wouldn't get that if he was so busy trying to hold the rules down to make sure he said the right thing. Yeah, exactly. 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 Like you really got an idea of who he was. And I realized that I have an affinity when I see speakers who are very much like that, who basically go, I don't care what the rules are. I am here to deliver what I know. And I believe in it so strongly that the rules are less important than what I believe and what I want to say. Now that's, that's what I want to bring from everyone. I want to bring that many people as I can and just get people to feel that confident and that strong in who they are and what they're fucking here to do that they can get up on stage and go, you are going to fucking listen to what I have to say, whether you like it or not. <laughs> but then the, but the ripple effect is they're showing up as their full selves and the audience then goes, Oh, Hey, I can show up as my full self. You know, Absolutely. it's like a ripple Absolutely. effect of impact. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's kind of already happening because I've seen speakers who aren't following the rules. You know, they're doing things like umming in the middle of sentences. They're looking at the slides when they change yeah, right. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And you're like, and, and, and I can imagine there were people in the room going, I can't believe this. Oh, my God. They're yeah. bra- How dare they bust out of the rules? Oh, it's unprofessional. But because I feel what they're saying and I can, I can trust that they know what they're talking about because I'm not – I'm there for the information. I'm there to understand this person and they're there to sell themselves and what they're doing. I don't care if he has to look at the slide. I don't care if he ums in the middle of a sentence because the yeah. information – It's about the experience is, and, and the you, feeling. And I'm – yeah, and I'm getting to know this person at the same time. I'm getting to understand them. And that actually builds, what's interesting I learned today, that already builds the likability, that builds the trust, and that certainly builds this background of the person that you could end up doing business with, right? And I think that's getting more important now than ever because uh, there's a wonderful quote from Grant Cardone uh, in an audio book called Sell or Be Sold. And he says, if there's anything you have to hide in your business, then you're doing it wrong. 
if there's anything you have to hide in your business, and that will include yourself, if you have to cut out elements of yourself, certainly when you're the head of the business, if you're self-employed freelancing, if you're the coach, if you're the person at the front of the line, and you have to hide things about yourself in order to do your, your stuff, right? And you have to add stuff in or add layers or anything like that, then I still see that as there's something not quite right. And so today we want to capture a bit of your story, your truth, and um, show the audience a little bit more of, you know, who you are. And I know you show up as that, but you probably don't have an opportunity in every talk to talk about the journey, you know, that got you to, to where you are. So that's what I'm very curious about. So, so yeah, yes, yeah. Them. Yep. So, so give us, let's just um, go back to the beginning, right? Um, and at yeah. the end, we'll be able to kind of point people in the direction of your business and all of that. But give us a yeah. sense of Daniel as a young boy. Um, <laughs> give us a sense of like that family structure. Four and 20 years ago. Yes, that. <laughs> you know, with your wise beard on now. Um, give yeah. us a sense of like the expectations even of like growing up in your household and, you know, how, how it felt. So it's safe to say that I grew up I, – I, I, some aspects of my life are going to be so familiar to other people. Because, and I say that because I'm hearing other people telling their stories, and I'm like, yes, that's, that's how my life was. To cut out, again, the fact – I don't think everyone needs to know my whole story because there's some parts of it that are don't really relevant to what I'm doing right now. Sure. But I'd say that the, the definite relevant part of my story and how I reached this stage is – from a very, very early age, I got bored of shit real quick. <laughs> I Yeah. And right. I, I'll jump I'll jump forward very quickly and say I was actually diagnosed with ADHD a year ago, a year and a half ago. Actually funny enough. That diagnosis was a part of the ignition that sparked the change that I've made in my life. Um so I'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from a young age, like we're talking six, seven years old. Yeah. Um, I don't remember this, but this is interesting to find out that I got told off, right, uh, by uh, my teacher. And I found out about this from my mum because my teacher went to my mum and said, your, your son, Daniel, um, he got up and left the classroom. And I thought he, he went to the toilet, but he never came back. <laughs> and another teacher found him wandering around the school and, and asked where, why, where, what he was doing, why he wasn't in class. Apparently, I said to them, because I wasn't interested in what was going on. This is fair, truthful, honest. <laughs> so as a six or seven year old kid, I just got my, yeah, yeah. You know, I just got my ass up and was like, this is dull as shit, man. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, and you get detentions for that sort of thing in school. You get in trouble for it. But that's the thing. That's been, unfortunately, that has been my life. It's been constantly, and I went, I went to a grammar school, right? So I went to a school that I don't have a very good relationship with. I don't know if they've changed the way they do things or if they're still doing the same thing. But basically, it was so systematic. It was so elitist. It was very much the system they employed in that school worked for 10%, I believe, of the students. Mm. And the 10% did so well that it carried the school. But the other 90% would crash and burn. Um, because it was literally like, sit down, shut up, listen, I'm going to talk to you for an hour and you're just going to listen. And that was, that was the worst. I would say that's one of the worst parts of my life was schooling worst parts because I was bullied by the teachers. The teachers put their hands on me trying to restrict me. I couldn't, I was actually given the, well, I wasn't given it. My parents were given money back when they paid for me to go on school trips because the teachers were like, now we're not taking him with us. Here's your money back. 
um, new teachers would come to the school and they they go, who's Daniel? I put my hand up and they're like, right. And then I'd find out that they were told about me beforehand. So then they'd immediately have this bias of treating me mm. like the, the naughty kid. Bad kid. Yeah, straight away. Um, and that's not to say that my behavior was not asking for it. Like, yeah, I, I was the distractor, if you like. I was the guy who called out. I was the guy who made the jokes. I was the guy. You messed with their system. I messed with their system. But I'll tell you this now, and this took me a long time to realize that I was not stupid, right? I may have been shouting stuff out. I may have been making jokes. But what happened was because I was disruptive, I was constantly told to be quiet. I was constantly told to shut up. I was constantly told that I was a clown. I was constantly told I had potential, but I look back and I, I was not stupid by any stretch. I, it was a good school I got into mm-hmm. and it was a good, I, I got a good degree. Um, I got it in computer games production, but I did very well in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got good grades at college. So the, the concept that I was dumb and what they were telling me was that, you know, I was dumb. I was arrogant. I was loud, disruptive. It really beat me down. And then going into hospitality. Now there's a bitterness there. But uh, I said bitterness is in there was a bitterness there Hmm. in so much as, again, it was do it this way, do it this way, do it this way, do it this way. This is how you sell this. This is how you sell that. This is how you sell this. But on top of that, it was also what would you like? What would you like? What would you like? What would you like? It was never what do I want in my work or Mm -hmm. in my life or in anything. And that really beat me down. It beat me down all the while. And people will say this. All the while, I think my personality held on, but it was like holding onto a cliff edge and slowly watching all of the fingers just break away, you know? Mm-hmm. And so people will say that I've been persistently positive, happy, energetic, enthusiastic, passion. Uh, uh, yeah, I had passion for the whole time. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Passionate. <laughs> I'm going to sip some tea. <laughs> Could you do mm. that? Yeah. So people had a perception of you. And I'm just, I want to just jump back to that feeling of, you know, being told that you were stupid or dumb, uh, you know, that was reinforced and, you know, what, what you carried with you underneath all that, like, I'm positive, I'm super funny, I'm the life of and soul of the party. Yeah, exactly. So that became my value. That wasn't doing me any favors because... I mean, there's so much else in there. There was the difficulties I faced with racial identity. I mean, growing up in the 90s as a mixed race guy, not to say I was the only one, but it was a challenge involved in identi- having, well, feeling like I had to identify as white or black, right? And being picked up and put down by each race whenever they felt was comfortable for them, right? The same with being a man, right? So, Again, growing up in the 90s, if you were not this stereotypical, what we started to label now toxic masculine type, mm-hmm. yeah. then you were gay or a woman or something. So yeah. I got that as well growing up because I wasn't the archetypal uh, toxic masculine guy. So I got that. So I had that to deal with. So while I was, I was, and that's what I mean. It was like hanging onto a cliff edge, watching my fingers slowly being pulled away, you know, because positivity could only last so long. The passion could only last so long because what really was eating at me was the fact that I had the rest of my life to live and I didn't see the value of what I could deliver or get from it because as far as I was aware, I was stupid. I was a clown. I was, uh, well, yeah, I was unintelligent. I had no talent. I didn't have any, I wasn't using my potential. 
I didn't understand, you know, who I was. Was I black? Is that the identity I, I could move with? Was I white? Was that the identity I moved with? And ultimately, what I found uh, was that the these restrictions closed in on me. And I think these restrictions were the ones that were pulling my fingers off the cliff edge, right? Until eventually it got to what felt like the last pinky finger on my right hand, mm-hmm. right, hanging on. And I, I literally, that would have been now in February 2016, where I went, fuck it. I, I went, fuck it with everything. Because at this point, I was drinking heavily and I drank heavily for a long time as well. So, you know, with all the with all the passion, with all the energy, with all the enthusiasm behind closed doors, I was actually really, really depressed. I was I self-harmed. I hurt myself quite uh, regularly. Um, I fantasized deeply about ending my life. I fantasized about destructing my life and just getting rid of myself because I was like, if my life looks like this forever, because, what's you know, the I don't, point, I, right? yeah, literally, what's the point? What's the point? Um, I don't want to do this. And so, yeah, it was actually, I was looking, it's, it's ironic as well, because they say, don't do this. I was also recognizing that there was a pattern forming in my behavior. I was forgetting a lot. I felt really stupid. I was drinking loads and um, relationships were failing um, I couldn't nail a job down. So while I worked in hospitality 15 years, I kept trying to leave. So I've been like, I've been a bin man. I've been a social media manager. I've been a marketing manager. I've been a marketing executive. I've been a sales executive. Oh, like you're reinforcing that deep seated belief. Sorry, go that, on. So, so you're kind of reinforcing that deep seated belief that you're stupid or not living up to your potential yeah, by your behaviors. Because my life is reflecting it. Yeah. And, and so I always, I always ask people about rock bottom, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that's because that's my experience, you know, um, absolute mm-hmm. rock bottom. What you, the words that you've described resonate so deeply with me, you know, uh, mm-hmm. fantasizing about uh, ending your life, thinking yeah. there's absolutely no point and kind of having that moment of awareness that like, if this is it, um, I can't keep doing I'm it. I'm done. Yeah. 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 And so is is this what you would describe as your rock bottom or however you might term it? For me at that point, yes, Mm. that was, that was, it was that, um, how old were you? It was. So I would, this was a year and a half ago. Okay. This is recent, uh, in the, in the big scheme of my life, this is, this is recent, but the the changes I've made in my life since then have been astronomical, ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, and again, we'll get onto that part, but, but rock bottom, it was, you know, we're talking two bottles of wine on average a night and sitting there while your girlfriend at the time is asleep in bed alone again, because you don't even see the value to spend time with the woman who's chosen to spend time with you, you know? Um, and again, still being in a job where you are, I mean, I, I say, I say honestly and openly, the bitterness is not there with the restaurant industry. However, we, I can't deny, and I'm sure it's still universally known how, how undervalued people who work in that industry are. True. So I say, I say that not as a form of bitterness, but as a form of just simple acknowledgement that everyone is aware that that's still not a great job for people to have if they're looking to build self-esteem and so on. 
And so from, we talked a little bit about that toxic masculinity and that you didn't quite oh, yeah. fit, fit that mold. But when you mm-hmm. were in this rock bottom stage, kind of numbing your pain with, with alcohol and, and self-harm yeah. and other sort of things, like, did you ever ask for help? Did you ever talk to anyone about what was really going on? I tried and actually I'll tell you now, uh, the conversations I had with, of course, family members, friends I loved, they were all wanting to help. And this is the saddest thing about being in that state of mind is you, you're so you're, you're in such an deep, dark inside place that you can't see the people trying to help you. It's, it's horrible because I look back now and the support that I was getting from people around me was incredible. But because I was in that state of mind, you couldn't appreciate it. it. I couldn't appreciate it. I didn't appreciate it. Um, Because unfortunately that state of mind clouds everything. It clouds the world. So even when someone comes to you with the very best intentions, with the very best you know, advice or methods or anything to help you because of the way that you perceive it in that state of mind. Yeah. It's done. Yeah, um, you tell, you tell was, yourself that they don't, they don't get it. They don't know what it's really no. like. I mean, I've um, been sober for almost nine years now. Um, Congratulations. Why? Thank you. Fantastic. I know. Um, but, but in a similar way, just the, the cycle of self pity, destruction and shame didn't allow mm-hmm. me to, to receive or access the help that could have been offered um, because I just hid in this deep sense of isolation and I'm the only one, you know, the opposite of connection, the exact opposite of connection. Absolutely. Yeah. Isolation completely. So what shifted for you? Like you're in this really dark place and you're not accessing help and your, your state of mind is in a particular way that it's not allowing you to what happened. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I was gonna, I was saying the irony was that you don't usually do this, but I actually found a pattern forming and I was like, okay, so I'm forgetting stuff, relationships working, jobs not working, da 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 da. I went online, right? As you do. <laughs> to look at, you know, I went online, like, what is wrong with me? What's going on? And I had been doing this for a little while, just going, like, I'm not sleeping well, I'm drinking loads. What are the symptoms of depression? What are the symptoms of this? And ADHD kept coming up. It just kept coming up over and over and over again. And I was like, nah, it can't be that, you know. And, and because, again, I'd grown up, I think, well, I think, again, this is it. It's the um, millennials from, let's say, maybe 25, 35 bracket, that area, born in the 80s, let's say. Yeah. You still grow up in a time where mental illness was not really something that you took seriously, you know. And the idea of mental illness it's weird because you thought mental illness back then and you had to still be able to see it physically. The idea that it was just in someone's head was still a bit alien to us to discuss or look at. So ADHD, which obviously is a, is primarily just it's in our heads. Um, and it's a, it's a fault in our not fault, excuse me. It's uh, certainly something in our heads. Wired differently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then that would be, something that I would disregard because I go, well, no, it can't be that. It can't be that. Right. And we certainly don't want it to be, you know, because there's so much stigma or fear. Exactly. Exactly. So I, uh, during this fuck it phase where I went, nope, this is not happening. I actually just thought, well, screw it. I'm going to go and, and look at it. But I say fuck it. I literally mean, well, fuck it to everything. This was Mm -hmm. everything that had gone on in my life. So feeling down the drinking, the constant, 
failed relationships, the content failed working, the the race problems, the identity problems, everything. Um, and so I went, right, let's, you know, let's go and start by looking at this and seeing if that's a thing because it kept coming up. And lo and behold, we got some tests done. I went to the doctors a few times. You did the analysis and it came back and yes, it diagnosed with ADHD, an adult ADHD. So it, it manifests itself differently to when you see it in kids. And what was interesting was because that alleviated, this is so weird, because that diagnosis alleviated the difficulties I was facing with, and there's actually articles written on this and people have told stories like this as well. So it's, it's a familiar thing. It, it took away the element that it was all my fault. Mm. Which is weird, and I know that's 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 actually counter personal development because in personal development, you know, you take responsibility, you own all your shit, and you own everything, and da 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 da. But it was funny how that diagnosis basically said, "This, there's, it's not you, Daniel. Yeah, I, it's not you. It's this. Yeah, this is playing and a part I, in who you are that you exactly, don't have control over. Exactly, and." That, funnily enough, allowed me then to give me space to recognize what it was, to understand myself better and then go, right, so I can take this as part of who I am and I can move forward with this, but not in a stigmatic kind of, oh, yeah. this is so wrong with me and anything like that. It was a, this is part of who I am and I can make this work. And I'm going, no, I'm going to make this work, which as you have seen, mm-hmm. I fucking have so far. <laughs> so... But it then gives you something you can hold on to, you can educate yourself about, you can learn how to manage, you can learn how to communicate, you can, you know, there's, there's stuff now that you can focus on to help you, you know, not let it override your whole life. And you know what? It's actually become my best friend now. Oh, tell me about that. I feel, I feel grateful for it. Well, for me, for one, what what it means to me is at this stage is that, uh, yes, it means it actually forced me to become more organized which okay. is great. Okay. So I actually, I actually became my, you know, I was like, I, well, I have to become more organized because I understand that if I don't, then it's going to increase the chances that, you know, I'm going to double book. I'm going to forget events, which was happening. I was yeah. double booking things. I was missing events. And that was costing me my reputation earlier on. This is, this is um, kind of half through last year. So I was like, you know, I've got to be more organized. So I did. And then it was actually also recognizing that ADHD is uh attention deficit hyperactive disorder and what it means is that yeah you can lose attention on stuff very quickly and you also have a thing called hyper focus so when you start something adhd actually allows you to get so focused on it that it's actually frustrating to be distracted okay like it, you get so You're into something you, now. Get, you are completely in on that thing now i built up an unhealthy habit with video games over the t- over the years <laughs> yeah, sure. but i found i found that actually that had become uh, an element of escapism for me so i could get hyper a hyper focus on that kind of stuff but i thought well if there's an element of that that i can use in my work then great so when it came to designing websites when it came to looking at building business cards when it came to look at what exactly it is i'm doing I could sit, listen to music, and I would just focus heavily on everything, and I could get in on it and really go in on it. And I'd allow myself that time because I realized that those times are so valuable for me. To, it's Because it's like meditation. Nothing else in the world matters. 
nothing else at all except for that one thing that I'm thinking about. And I and just need to pause you and highlight, because of the purpose of this podcast, I need to highlight that this is a prime example of turning your adversity, so the thing that you think is going to fuck up your whole life or has for part of it, into yeah. your advantage. So turning it into oh, yeah. how do I maximize my business, my passions, my success, my relationships, mm-hmm. all that sort of thing, even like because of that thing, not despite it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, for sure. So then there was the the other thing as well. And this is the part that I love for me. Mm-hmm. And I think this is actually this this ties perfectly into what I'm doing at the moment. So, of course, we understand that there's a basically low attention span, right? But that's a natural thing that seems to be happening in the next generation anyway. And that's actually another reason, one of the bigger reasons why I, again, am adamant that what I'm doing is so important because attention spans are lessening whether we like it or not. For me, I get bored with stuff really quickly. The moment I start to see a pattern in something, if I see bandwagon jumping, if I see the same thing coming up again, I just immediately, it starts to grate on me. And I'm like, oh, this is boring already. Let's go on to the next thing. Yeah. And that can have its destructive moments. And of course, I've practiced the art of, of recognizing when I do need to stay on something and when I need to move on. Because sometimes, yeah, some things need, some things need to get traction. Some things need to find their, their groove. Yeah. But for me, public speaking is way, way past. And I know there are actually speakers out there, speaker trainers out there who agree with me on this. So they're saying, like, yes, public speaking is getting boring. It's been getting monotonous. It's yep. getting dull. It's the same bloody thing. It's the same every time. You turn up and you sit down and you know they're going to ask you, some question is going to get you involved. And what's funny is when I see events where they ask people to raise their hands, mm-hmm. right, I've, I'm starting to find now, and I know this is one I keep jumping to, but I, I, it's because it's such a really trite, overused method. Um, but you ask people to raise their hand, and actually it's become so boring that even people don't respond to that because they're like, yeah, yeah I know what you're doing, and, you know, this is yeah, it. Yeah, you want so that physical that's engagement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be new ways. Also because and it doesn't come across as authentic with 95% of the speakers that do it. It doesn't at all. It feels no, like they exactly. attended a course, you know, mm-hmm. rather than and I really physically want to get your engagement by involving you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's things like, for example, the seminar today. It was funny because I told them when I turned, I was like, look, I'm going to have to leave early. And what's funny is they said, this wasn't the reason, of course. It was so I could, you know, make it for this interview. And they said, oh, is it so you missed the sales pitch at the end? And, Smart. And I, and I, and I was, I was kind of like, I didn't, I didn't, I laughed, but I was like, well, no, no, not at all. But it's still interesting that they know what that, that mm. would be a reason for people to leave. So why leave your sales pitch at the end when people could cut out early? Why not put it in the middle then? So people, people could have to sit through the sales pitch, maybe have to get that sales pitch from you so they know that there's an opportunity to buy from you. Because I'll tell you what right now, the, the value that was delivered in the first half of that seminar, if he'd have done the sales pitch before the break, he could have, he would have made sales hands down. He would have done. Right. It was very, very, very good. But he left it to the end and I left, right? Yeah. Maybe that's one person. I don't know many other people walked out, but I left. Leaving the sales pitch to the end to me again, is like, why? Because people know it's, it's coming. They sit there the whole time just waiting. Yeah, they're like, ugh. Yeah, come on, here we go. The sales pitch. You're going you're gonna to tell me it's worth 50 grand. You're going to sell it to me for 500, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and again, it seems ingenuine. It seems a little bit like, ugh, it seems so processed, so predictable. And so there's this element of people might wanting to just go, you just get out of the way. Just tell me how much you're going to cost. That's it. That's what I want to hear. Tell me how much you're going to cost because I want to buy from you. 
so, so there's that as well. So tell, me, tell me about, see, like, I want to just understand that shift between you living other people's rules or being quite confused about your own identity, hitting your rock bottom, and then going on this journey of, obviously you're teaching other people to be themselves because you learning to be yourself has fully liberated you. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's why uh, heading on from what we were just saying is, is so important to me and I feel so important for the public speaking industry as well because... How's it changed again, you? Just, well, phenomenally, you know, and, and it seems so ridiculous. And actually, it, sometimes I even actually question myself with this because, again, the change I've made in the last 18 months by, by and I know this sounds very, uh, again, a little cliche, but cheesy, but the, by loving myself to the extent that I do, recognizing my strengths and using them, like I've, in, it, from the moment I made that decision, right, 18 months ago, yeah. I have been a TEDx MC, right? Mm. I've been a TEDx MC. I've been put on a cruise ship to do presentations. I've been sent on a plane. Uh, I'm going to be sent to Geneva, school, a school in Geneva to do a presentation there. In Christmas time, I'm going to be on another cruise ship going around the Canary Islands. Like I have really changed it. I've really changed it up. And it has been for me recognizing the patterns of everything that I've done beforehand and going, do you know what? Fuck the rules. Literally fuck all the rules. I'm fed up with the rules. I can make my own rules. And these are my rules. The rules are if you want to do it, Daniel, you fucking do it. All right. If you want to do it, do it. And, and I know that people will get a little anxious about that. They might get a little bit uncomfortable. But to me, that's a reflection of their understanding of why rules are there. Rules are there to keep us in place. But then, of course, there's also another rule. Get out of your comfort zone. Grow. Love do that things one. that you know, do things that maybe you're not used to doing, like breaking the rules. Use your intuition for a change. You know, for what do you actually want to do? And this is what I ask speakers. How do you actually want to do your talk? Do you want to do it that way? Or are you doing it that way because you feel that's the safest way to do it? Because safe is boring. And we know this. I know this because that's, again, why I'm doing this now. Safe is boring. It's monotonous. It's dull. It's predictable. And you know, you might as well turn your whole talk into a flyer. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I want for this you. Is and this is how result. much it's going to cost. It will not there surprise you, you. Be safe. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, so, so you're, ta you're talking about breaking the rules and I completely get it on, um, you know, with, within public speaking and within your interactions with people and relationships. But I'm curious about since you've, you had this diagnosis and you, you realize yep. like, you know, these are some of the, the, the threats or the weaknesses, if you want to look at, yep. at it from one perspective, I imagine sure. you have learned some, I hesitate to call them new rules, but some, some strategies, sure. some techniques, some things that you know about you personally that you need to do um, in order to uh, maybe maximize your potential or work at this level uh, sustainably. Does that make sense? What are yeah, the things exactly. that you've so, had to introduce for yourself? All right. So recognizing. So again, so I remember I said about the diagnosis, taking away the, the blame, right? Yeah. Amazing. And making it right. It's not your fault. So that's actually then given me room to accept responsibility for the choices in my life. Ooh. And that, well, it did. It did. I was so busy blaming myself for everything in, the, in a negative way that to take that section of negative blame and put it on something else gave, allowed me room to, to take the healthy responsibility over my life, right? Love that. And so 
And, and, and I, I will openly say this, as I said, an open book. Yeah. It, it's always a, it's always a challenge in certain instances to accept the responsibility because as people, we are going to have these moments where we're like, I don't want to fucking take responsibility. No, of course that, not. It's know? hard work. I don't want that to be my fucking yeah every every single time, right? But I I came to the point where I recognised that I had made not not through again, through anything that I was actively or consciously doing, but I had made no decisions to make my life better truly for myself. I'd made decisions based on what other people had expected of me. And so, of course, I was never going to go through with them wholeheartedly. Mm. But when I started making decisions for myself that were good for me, that's how I got my ass as a TEDx MC. That's mm. how I got my ass, you know, on a fucking cruise ship working and, and being a t- speaker on a cruise ship. That's how I got my ass being flown internationally to do talks. That's how I got my ass in this position by, by recognizing that you make decisions. They can be good. They can be bad, but they're your decisions. They're yours. And you have ownership over that. You have ownership over your fucking life. And that's, that's the power within that, you know, that is it, it for you. That's exactly what I want to see in the speakers that I'm going to be looking at mm-hmm. and the people who I'm working with, the people I'm going to be working with, I want to see them going, I'm going to fucking do it my way because that's, that's the way I want to do it. And that just elicits respect, right? In the audience. I respect oh, those people. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I don't know if I said this already, but I, I still, hurt, it hurts me when I see speakers up on stage. <laughs> yeah, who, it's painful. Yeah, no, well, no, the ones, the ones who, who say, you know, I'm not a very good speaker, but here goes. And they deliver some fucking heartfelt, passionate, in, informative, helpful stuff. Mm-hmm. And they discredit it by saying they're not a good speaker. But I'm like, dude, I sat and listened to you speak for a whole hour yeah. without interruption. And I listened to every single word. But I tell you, if you'd have come up here and you delivered the same old, same old, you'd have lost me in five minutes. Yeah. So when people say I'm not a good speaker and then deliver from the heart, that's why, again, I do this because I'm like, don't tell me you're a bad speaker when you're able to deliver the information you do like that. Don't sell yourself short, you know. Don't sell yourself short. But again, they say that based on these bullshit rules that we impose on people, the the shoulds, the supposed tos, the do it this way or you're not going to have the impact, do it that way or you're not going to be able to make the influence and yada, yada, yada. Which is just like fear-based, right? It's all fear based. It is. And it's, it's fear and scarcity again. And businesses in general who are, who are suffering because of lack of good staff. I mean, we were, again, we're talking in a seminar this morning about the, the elements of trust in businesses. I mean, he was saying it's, it's so funny, but he was saying, have you ever been into a business where you notice they've got locks on the toilet roll? Hmm. And it's like, well, yeah. And he said, that's an element of trust that you're seeing right there or a lacking element of trust. Because yes. if a business can't trust their employees, <laughs> to just not steal toilet paper, that what does that tell you? Yeah, about the culture. And it's exactly, and it's this element. It's this element of fear and scarcity that makes you do things that actually, again, discount you in a way that you won't really realise. We're talking about connection. The, the more now, more businesses are moving in a direction of personal connection, people, personality, you know, attitude, who you are. And actually, they don't really care as much about what your skill set is because if you've got the right attitude then great and how can you display the right attitude if you're following these strict rules absolutely your attitude comes from showing up and being yourself because again as you said that's respectful and that's also 
an element of your confidence and self-esteem that shows that you are comfortable with who you are. You're comfortable with what you know. You're comfortable with how you act and behave and how you execute as you are. And so, so did you get any help along the way in this process? I mean, I'm hearing oh, about your mindset shift. Did you, did you see people? Did you get professional help? Did I you- mean, I've, I, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna name drop like I'm like a bitch right now. <laughs> I mean, oh man, like this is this as is long something. As it's I a good name drop. So go ahead. Oh no, 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 absolutely. Okay, um, so first and foremost, the guy who I met last November, who has been the rock with sharp edges to me yeah. over the last year, um, Nick Elvery, just he's a rock with sharp edges. He pisses me off sometimes. He gets on my nerves, um, but he does it in a way that makes me reflect on why I've been pissed off and what it means to me. He helps me develop in the way that I want to develop, where I get out of my comfort zone and I grow in myself. But I love that guy to pieces because he doesn't allow you to be anything but the person he knows you want to be. Oh, I, 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 I fucking I fucking love him for that. <laughs> and 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 the thing is, that's what that's what I love about this industry as well, is that to be honest, the idea that we've all got to be lovable and likable is bullshit because we're not. We're not supposed to be at all. We're supposed to piss people off. Because when you get pissed off, you found a mark, you found a boundary that perhaps you need to cross in order to get where you want to go. Because if you're going along with any kind of development going, this is great. Everything's wonderful. I've not had a hard time at all. I've not had a challenge. Then you're not growing. You're comfortable. Yeah, it's not evidence of being alive, right? No, no, not, not at all. Exactly. Exactly. It's not an element of being alive. You've got to, you've got to go through some shit and, and not, not heavy, heavy, deep, deep shit. You don't have to, but you've got to have friction. You've got to have friction, you know, in order to, to recognize where your growth places are. So Nick Elvery, yeah, like wonderful. Uh, Clee Stacy is just the, she is like the butterfly rainbow unicorn that I think everyone needs in their life when they're looking for someone to represent. Who am I thinking of now? There's actually a character that I'm thinking of who (laughs) just is, oh, that's it. So the Lego movie, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a character in the Lego movie, right? Where they go to this wonderful rainbow place and it's the kitten. There's a, there's a kitten in the Lego movie and she's so lovely. But of course, uh, there's also the element where she has this moment at the end where she gets pushed past her points. And then, you know, she has this tolerance level where she flips out and goes nuts. Not to say that (laughs) Klee will will flip out, but she's, uh, that's, that's the kind of vibes you get from Klee. And it's, So strength and fluffy kitten. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's so pure and it's it's beautiful. It really is. So Uh, okay, go go on. I keep keep going. There's so many people, but uh, those two certainly. um, Yeah, I could name so many people, honestly. So, and I guess I'm trying to capture the point that we we do sometimes need help. We need to ask for it. We need to accept it um, (laughs) in order to be able to move forward. So just for the sake of time, because I feel like we could talk with each other all day. Um, yeah, wow. Like if somebody was in that kind of rock bottom place, whatever that looks like for them, whether it's depression, substance misuse, um, the isolation, whatever it might be, disconnection, not being themselves, mm-hmm. what advice would you give to them coming from this wise old sage place? Oh, man. What should oh. they do? Like what action can they take? How can they That's begin so the journey? Tough. That's so tough. Cause it's different, man. You're like, it's different for everyone. 
Well, based on your learning. So like what advice based, would you yeah, give yeah, to yourself yeah. a year and a half ago? Okay. So based on everything that I believe in and everything that I feel strongly about, I would say to someone in that space, first of all, keep moving. It's a, uh, there's a Churchill quote. If you're going through hell, just keep going. By all means. It's, it's, it, that is true. Um, and even if it's only physically, right? Move, yeah. Move yeah, your body, yeah, yeah. move your mind. Absolutely. If you're going through hell, just keep going. Keep going. Um, but also, I would say, and I know this is difficult because if people are in, are in that space, it's hard to it's hear hard it to this listen, way. Right? Mm. It's hard to hear it this way. So I want, I want that to be, I want this, what I'm going to say, laced with that, that I recognize that it's hard to hear this this way. But whatever, whatever it is that you envision is the best form of your life if there is one. If there isn't, find one, look for one, look for the best thing you want in your life. And I, 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 I don't know who you are. I don't know what you look like. I don't know what your life's been like. But I will say now that there is absolutely no reason why you can't have that at all. There, there is no reason. Zero. You, you owe it to yourself for every, every bit of shit you're going through right now. You owe it to yourself because you don't want to keep going through this shit. You owe it to yourself because you're still, you're still going through hell, which means there's a part of you that doesn't want to give up. Listen to that part of you that doesn't want to give up. Keep going and know from me there is absolutely no fucking reason why you cannot have that in your life. There's zero. Woo. Chills. Love it, Daniel. Um, so, so powerful. Just the thing that I would have needed to hear back then. Even if I didn't mm. listen at the time, it would, have, it would have planted a seed. And that's what we're, I'm aiming for through this podcast. Um, mm. Finally, uh, yeah. where, where can people find you? Where can people find you online? Where do they find you on social media? So first nature, type that in, type that in first nature. That's one ST. Yeah. (laughs) Got it. And that's it, man. You'll find me over on Instagram. You'll find me on, and actually I'll be careful here now. I've just got to put a little bracket here. You'll find me right on Instagram, LinkedIn. You'll find me on Facebook. You will find me on YouTube and you find my website. However, I'm going to say, right. I do all of those things in my own time. So I do not do that. Like, yeah, I'm hard grafting on all those things. Okay. They don't rule you. Because Is that what they're saying? They do, saying? Not, they do not fucking rule me. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't rule me. Yeah. I will post when I feel like it. I'll do what I need to do when I need to do it. In fact, the YouTube thing um, I use in a different format altogether. Sure. So, so you'll find me in all those places. But if you yeah, want to get yeah. in touch with me, if yeah. you want to get in touch with me, what if they honestly. they want to work with you or, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So if you want to get in touch with me, go to my website, www.firstnature.co.uk. You'll be able to send me an email. Or actually, to be honest, I can give you my email address right here, firstnaturecsm, that's coacher, speaker, mc, csm at gmail.com. So firstnaturecsm at gmail.com. Just drop me a line um, because, again, you just come direct to me. Don't that's go through word. my website. Like, don't go through my social media. Just come direct to me. Be don't direct. Yeah. 
don't yeah don't stop off at all the bus stops to get to where you need to go no it's got straight oh i love that i love that it's come straight to me man (laughs) just come to me daniel thank you so much can i acknowledge you for just being so open and telling us your story i appreciate it so much i knew we had a connection i knew it Mm -hmm. and i was Mm -hmm. proved right thank you so much (laughs) no thanks for having me on petra it's been great thank you cheers Thank you so much for listening. If something helped you today, please do share this episode with a friend and let them know that they are not alone. I know that for me, isolation kept me stuck much longer than I needed to be. So let's practice courage and talk to someone about what's going on as that's the first step to making life amazing. Check out my website, petravelsboer.com for your free Kickstarter plan, which will teach you to turn your biggest weaknesses into your greatest strengths. Join the community of people who are changing the way they view life's challenges and living life to the full. Until next time, goodbye.